following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. Open your Bibles now, if you would, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 12. And as we have noted throughout this, um, we've recognized our inability to live right. We've recognized that. Uh, However, now that Christ has satisfied the debt once and for all and sent his Holy Spirit to enable us, we have also recognized the fact that we no longer have any excuse for not living right. We have everything that we need. And so when we are admonished, uh, as Matthew 5, 48 may say, to be ye perfect as your Father in heaven also is perfect, we're presented with one of two responses. And the responses that we're going to see today are the response uh, similar to perhaps Jacob or the response of Esau. And so let's take a look this morning as we get into the Word of God. Hebrews chapter number 12, starting in verse number 12. It says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which be lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow after, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Father, again we come to you because you are the only one to whom we can. Open our eyes, open our hearts, that we may hear what you would have us to do today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I guess uh, one could say that many try too hard at being perfect, while others could possibly say that many don't try at all, or many don't try uh, to understand perfection. I I think really at the end of the day, perfection, understanding what it means to be perfect is what we need to focus in on for a little bit. I think that the misunderstanding of this term perfect is where a lot of people get hung up. This is why you hear a lot of folks say things like, well, 
Uh, I, I'm, I'm not perfect and I never will be perfect. Okay, well, that's, that's understandable in the sense of perfection, meaning sinlessness. But we're not talking about sinlessness. The Holy Spirit enables you to be perfect in the sense that the writer here is speaking of, which simply means complete, complete, entire, lacking nothing, in need of nothing. I have all that I need. I have all that is necessary. And so for the idea of perfection in the sense of completeness, we are commanded to be perfect. This is what the Bible's talking about when it says, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven also is perfect. He's not telling us or commanding us to do something we cannot do. God does not do that. God never calls you to do something you don't have the ability to do. If he calls you to forgive someone, you cannot say, I can't and be a child of God. Because if you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God, you have the Holy Spirit of God enabling you to forgive. If God is calling you to preach the word, you can't say, I'm not able to do that because the Holy Spirit of God is dwelling within you, enabling you to do more than you feel that you're able to do in your own power and ability. And so this call to be perfect is not God calling you to do something you can't do. He's calling you to do something that you should do. And I I guess the best way to kind of make this resonate with us is the question, and I I was going to form this in the sense of a statement, but then it was, no, I'm afraid somebody's going to grab hold of that on Facebook and say that I'm saying that and I'm preaching that. And I'm like, no, we don't want to go down that road. And so then I thought, well, I'll put it in the form of a question. And I thought, well, it's kind of a question and a statement. So here's the statement. You ready? Do I have to attend church or read the Bible to be a good Christian? That's one that I've heard a lot of people ask. Now, I don't, and usually it's in the sense of, I don't have to. And so that's why I really kind of struggled. Is it a question? Is it a statement? Because usually what I hear is, well, I don't have to go to church in order to be a good Christian. I don't have to read the Bible in order to be a good Christian. And so I thought, well, you know, let's just kind of, let's kind of park there for just a moment. Let's just kind of sit, sit on that for a minute and see what it is that the Word of God is calling us to do. As the preacher indicated our situation in at the beginning of this chapter, seeing we are so surrounded by, so compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. In other words, we are surrounded by testimony of the goodness and the graciousness and the ability that God brings about. And, and then he compared this life to a race, and then he likens God to the coach or to even a parent uh, that's bringing about uh, this discipline in our life, and he raises uh, raises us to being a disciplined and mature child of God. This is a mature follower. Now he tells us what to do with this knowledge. And so the call of God, again, is not to stay the way you are, but it is to follow Christ. And if the call is to follow Staying is not in the cards. I've heard a lot of people say, you can get saved and stay just the way you are. God loves you just the way you are. My friend, that's a lie. 
God does love you in spite of your sin, in spite of the condition you're in, but he wants you to change. He did not leave heaven, set aside his glory for for the 33 years he was on this earth, uh, live a life amongst sinful people, to be despised and rejected of men, to be put on that cross, to, to die for your sins, to make you now able to have a relationship with God for you to just stay the way you are. That's heresy. Christ came to change you to make you what you were originally meant to be, to help you become what it is that God wants you to be. He made you to be in his image. We ruined that image. He says, I'm going to help you fix that. To say that God wants to save you and leave you the way you are is completely contrary to the rest of the Holy Scripture. We need to see what it is that we're to do with this knowledge. I want you to notice the first couple things here, and we're going to kind of go at this bit by bit. Look at verses 12 and 13 with me, if you would. He says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed." Understand this, there are many uh, ways to view this passage, but I want it to kind of come down to, the, to this little bit of a root, uh, the call of God. The call of God is not for us to sit around and complain, rather it's to be positive and an encourager. That's the first part there's a couple ways that you can view the passage at hand. Notice what it says in verse 12, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Let's start there. What does it mean to lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees? Have you ever known, I love watching kids. I love watching kids. And one of the things, you know, just I'm a feeler. Okay, I have come to grips with this in my life. I'm a feeler. I'm emotional. My wife is the more logical of the two of us. I watch, uh, you know, I watch old old Yeller, and and I'm just the the box of tissues is out, and the the tears are flowing, and it's, and, and then I watch another movie, and, and father and son make up with each other. And I'm just going, oh, that's so precious. And my wife looks at me like, what are you doing? Thought I married a man, yeah. <laughs> I'm a feeler. <laughs> mean Joe Green throws his jersey at the kid. I'm going, oh, God bless him. That's me. I, that's just the way I am. But I, I want you to catch what is in this. Have you ever seen kids when they're, maybe they make a mistake or, you know, they, they're, they're making their peanut butter sandwich and then the peanut butter, the bread falls on the floor and never falls side up. It always flips over and falls. With, and so, they, oh man. And so then they pick that up and then they put it back on the, t- on the counter and they keep what, yeah. And a five second rule, folks. I don't know. Maybe your floor is not clean enough to eat off. My wife keeps, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, and then they put it back. And the next thing you know, they got their sandwich ready and they go over to the counter. They get the milk and they get their cup and they make the cup of milk and they put it on the counter. And what happens? It's on. Oh, oh, I can't do anything right. 
the, hand, the arms that are hanging low and the feeble knees. You know, we have this in the Christian life too. We're walking along and everything seems to be doing all right. Everything seems to be going okay. We're driving to work and we're, we're listening to Caleb or Moody Radio. We're listening to something spiritual, right? Or maybe you've got your favorite Gaither CD in this, in the, if you still use CD players. I asked a guy about a CD player not too long ago. He said, a what? <sighs> maybe that's what you're doing. You're on your way and it's a beautiful day. The sun's shining. God put a rainbow and you're talking to the Lord. And next thing you know, somebody cuts you off and you decide to show them your IQ. Oh, I failed. I failed. One of the kids is acting up and they're fighting with their siblings and you come in and instead of being the godly father that you know you should be and say, son and daughter, please love one another as I have loved you. Instead, you come in saying, what are you doing? Right? And then you walk out of the room going, oh. And so what the passage is teaching is a couple ways to look at it. One, straighten up. Lift up those hanging arms and the feeble knees. Get up. Another way is you see your brother over here who's got his feeble arms and his feeble knees. Go help lift his up. And so there's two aspects of this in this passage here that we can look at. Number one, you don't be the complaining Christian. You know, the people that, you know, they walk into the church and it looks like they were weaned on a persimmon. And they're saying, yeah, I got the grace and the joy of the Lord in my heart. Well, if that's what grace and joy looks like, I'll take the other. Don't be that complaining Christian. So how's every, how, you go to work on Monday and somebody says, well, what'd you do over the weekend? Well, I went to church. Really? What happened? Oh, you should have seen this woman come into church. And the pastor, he doesn't have any respect for anybody. He just says whatever he wants to say. And oh, the kids, they just, they, they run and then run and then run. And the person listening to you going, well, I go back. You hear about the people all the time going home Sunday afternoon having a roast preacher for dinner. It's kind of like the boy that was sitting around the dinner table and the preacher, the new preacher was visiting and he was alone. His family hadn't moved up with him and and he was sitting around this table with the family, and they were having dinner. And, and the preacher says, what are we having? And the little boy says, we're having goat. Uh, mutton? Uh -huh. And the mother says, no, we're not. We're having roast beef. What gave you that idea? Well, you said it was as good a time as any to have the old goat for dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see, let's not be the ones sitting around complaining. Get those arms up. Get those feeble knees up. And help other people do the same. You know, the question that we need to ask ourselves is, how attractive am I making Christianity? Am I making it something that no one would want to be a part of? How attractive am I making the house of God? What, you, you guys want to go do something this weekend? No, I got to go to church. 
Well, you know, what about Wednesday? No, they got church then too. The bane of my existence. Right? What about your fellow believer? Do they need encouragement? Perhaps someone is experiencing a little bit of discipline from God at the moment. Jeff sent me something this morning about from A.W. Pink about when God pulls someone out of the water, we complain if he dislocates the shoulder. You know, we do. Maybe you've got someone who's going through a difficult time because God is saying they need to learn, they need to grow. Why don't you come over and help them? Lift up those arms. You see, the call of God is not to sit around. The call of God is to be perfect. You mean sinless? I can't be sinless. I didn't say that. I already explained to you what perfect means. Complete. Again, Matthew 5, 48, Therefore be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. John 17, 23, in his high priestly prayer, Jesus says, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity. Colossians 1, 27, 28, he says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you, whom we preach, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that they may present, be presented perfect in Christ Jesus. Colossians 4, 12, that you may stand mature and complete, same word, in the entire will of God. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and he gave some apostles and some prophets. Why do we have that pastor? All right, you ready for it? And some evangelists and some pastors. Why? And some teachers. Why? Why can't I be the one for the perfecting of the saints? for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, God is giving us the tools for perfection, not just the command. This is different, isn't it? We don't want to hear that. It's easier for me to complain about not being perfect. It's easier for me to say, well, that's just the way I am. Well, I thought the old was passed away and all things become new. Well, you don't understand. My experiences have made me like this. Yeah, but I thought Christ came to set you free, not so that you could still be burdened by what you were burdened before. Let's, let's look a little bit more at this. You know, you're, think about this for just a moment. You're zigzagging through life. You're ups and downs and ups and downs. I like church. I hate church. I like church. I hate church. I can't wait to go to church. I can't wait to get away from church. That may be causing someone else to be stifled in their spiritual growth as well. Another thing to see with this, with verse 13, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which be lame turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Let's, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but let's just think for a minute. When you're injured, what's the best course of action? If I said, okay, um, I've got, I, I'm taking my kids backpacking, and we make our way down into the gully, and we're, we're way down low, and, and all of a sudden I, I trip, and I twist, sprain my ankle. Now I'm injured, Right? What's going to make more sense for me to go, okay, kids, 
we're going to go straight up that mountainside till we get to the car. Or to go, let's follow the path back to the car. We're going to take the path of least resistance. We're going to take the, the simplest, right? We're going to take what's going to put the least amount of strain on it. We did our uh, uh, responsive reading this morning. Let me reread those to you. Psalm 5, 8 says, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Psalm 27, 11 says, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. Psalm 119.35 says, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. And then I put Psalm 119.165 in there because I think sometimes we misread it. Psalm 119.165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know what that's actually saying? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That word for offense does not mean it's not going to hurt their feelings. It means it's not going to make them stumble. The type of offense that's talking about is like a stumbling block to make you, you think of the offensive line in football. Their job is to make sure that that defense doesn't make it through and they're going to knock them down and they're going to offend. So great peace have they which love the word of God. And the more they spend here, nothing's going to make them fall. So, back to our text at hand. How much clearer does the way become when we simply follow God's Word? And so again, looking at it from the two perspectives... When you're injured, you know the best way to let that injury heal? Get back on the straight path. When your brother or sister is injured, you know the best way to help them heal? Get them back on the straight path. Don't point them back to Dr. Phil. Don't, don't, don't encourage them to pick up some self-help book. No. Get them to the Word of God. Let's look at a couple more things with this. Look at the next verse here, number four, 14, verse number 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. This word for follow is the Greek word deoketa. That's a big one, isn't it? Deoketa uh, literally means to put in active motion or to follow after eagerly, to pursue the direction of, or to endeavor earnestly to acquire. It's the same word used for persecution. That's an interesting thing. But when we look at this word here, follow, what does it mean? It's not just saying like a, 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 a simple familiar uh, pace, or I'm keeping up with something, or I, I'm, I'm accustomed to it, you know, uh, like like I, I follow sports. I'm here to tell you, I don't. I mean, you tell me who's going to what team, I have no idea. I have no idea. I like, you know, you try to, you, you, all your buddies are standing around talking about football, and you uh, just threw something. 
All your buddies are standing around talking football, and you just kind of walk up and you do one of these numbers. Yeah. As, who are we talking about? Yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea. But you want to talk about the Word of God, I can, I can, I can communicate there. Because I follow it. I remember when I played, there were guys that knew the sport and guys that played the sport. You know, the guys in the locker room, they know every stat. When they're too busy studying the stats, they're not outside practicing, are they? You see, this idea, this word for follow, indicates not a casual accompaniment, but a vigorous pursuit, relentless Now, the same word is used in reference to persecute, and I wanted to bring this up because notice what it's saying. It's saying to pursue peace with all. Now, in your, if you read a King James, you're going to notice that the word men is italicized. That's because it wasn't originally there. It was put there to help you understand what was being referenced. All people, all mankind, everybody. And so let's not just say, well, that's just a command for man, and we're supposed to pursue peace with males. No, all mankind. Notice that. But notice how we're supposed to pursue it. The same wording used of persecution. However hard they're persecuting you, you meet it with the same zeal of pursuing peace. This is what it's talking about. To follow and to go after vigorously, to pursue it relentlessly, peace. If they're trying to kill you, meet them with the same zeal. Pursue peace. Now, not only does it encourage us for peace, but notice what else in verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness. And so the same pursuit of peace, the same vigor that we go after peace, we ought to go after holiness. So, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to read the Bible to be a good Christian. Well, We're commanded to pursue holiness with every fiber of our being. I didn't say anything about getting saved. But this nonsense that people like to give me, I don't have to to read the Bible to be a good Christian. What? We're talking about growth here. We're talking about being closer to Christ. We're talking about getting more, becoming more like Him. How are you supposed to know that? I'm here to tell you, Dr. Oz ain't going to tell you how to be more like Christ. And as much as I enjoy watching the old shows, Fred Sanford ain't going to let you know. Colonel Clink, whatever you watch, I don't know. The Bachelor ain't going to get you there. You want to know how to move the other direction? That's stirring. I'll stop. But catch this. Pursuit of peace and the pursuit of holiness go hand in hand. 
No true peace with man can exist at the compromise of our positioning with God, and no true holiness can exist when we indulge in our animosity toward man. They go hand in hand. Well, I, I'm all about pursuing holiness, and I'm, I'm studying the Bible as best I can, but I'm not about to forgive that guy over there. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The pursuit of holiness and the pursuit of peace go together. You're not going to get them apart from one another. You can't worry about having peace with brothers and sisters in Christ and making sure that you're pursuing peace with man if you're at odds with him. Husbands, you're at odds with him. You're never going to be it. You're never going to be copacetic with your wife. You're never, your, your relationship with her, no matter how good it may look on the outside, is never going to be well until you have your relationship with him right. I mean, it can look decent on the surface. But if you want your relationship with your wife right, get your relationship with God right. Now, here's the reverse of that. Some people are going to not like this, but guess what? Put your big boy pants on your relationship with God is never going to be right when you are purposefully at odds with your spouse. Kids, don't come talk to me about how spiritual things are when you are purposefully at odds with your parents. Don't tell me how great of a Christian you're trying to be when you don't want to love your brother or sister. Don't give me that garbage. It goes together. Notice the next thing here, verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Listen, if this pursuit of peace and this pursuit of holiness are neglected, if this pursuit is completely ignored, bitterness will set up. It's a guarantee. And the, the, the writer here is encouraging us, get this right, pursue peace, pursue holiness. Why? So that you don't have bitterness. And here the, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews is trying to let us know something. He says, you have the enablement. The Holy Spirit of God is trying to enable you, wanting to enable you, working to enable you, but bitterness stops the work of God. When I allow bitterness to enter and I say, I will not forgive, I will not reconcile, I will not move forward, God is saying, I, I, I can't grow you into the Christian I want you to be. And you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be complete until you get past this issue. pursuit of peace is neglected, it is almost certain bitterness will be present. And so this needs to be a vigilant thing, looking diligently, he says. But now look at verses 16 and 17, and we're going to start to bring things full circle. Looking diligently, lest any man follow the grace of God, but now drop down into verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. 
For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now, I want to go ahead and put this out there at the onset. This is one of the most misunderstood verses in Scripture. If I was to make a list of the ten most uh, misunderstood passages in Scripture, verses in Scripture, this would definitely make the top five. Notice what it said there in verse 17. It says, For ye know that afterward, when he would have inherited, talking about Esau, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Here's what is often taught about this passage. That Esau tried to repent, but God wouldn't let him. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Here's what the wording is, because when you look at it in the way the sentence structure is worked out, and especially when you go back to the original and you start to see the sentence structuring worked out, the, the it that it's talking about, look at verse 17, he sought it. The it that he's talking about points back to the blessings. And so Esau desired blessings. He didn't desire a relationship with God. He didn't desire to have the things of God in his life. He didn't desire all of this. What he desired was the physical blessings. And when he got upset, he didn't get upset because he had lost out on his birthright. He got upset because he didn't have as much land as his brother got. That's what he sought with tears. Says he found no place for repentance. He didn't have time for that stuff. He didn't have time to repent and get things right. All he was going to do is sit around and cry, poor me, I'm the oldest, I should have gotten more. I'm the oldest, I should be the one to get this. I'm the oldest, and that's what he was doing. He was crying and crying and crying and boo-hoo-hoo and poor me, woe is me. Never took the time to turn from and turn to. I think there's a lot of people playing Esau in churches today. Understand what is being talked about. While it's true, number, verse number 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person, while it's true that we should flee from sexual immorality, from fornication, we should, we should flee that. That's not what's being spoken of right here talking about spiritually. The birthright, notice this, that was talked about here, the birthright was the line of succession. The line from Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, on down through for the Messiah. He gave that up. Didn't mean anything to him. He comes in because he's he's been out hunting. He's hungry. And his brother says, well, give me the birthright, and you can have my food. And he says, you can have that. That doesn't mean that ain't a big deal. I'll still get plenty of land. I'll still have plenty of stuff. I'll still have plenty of property. I'll still have plenty of things. That's all right. You can have it. You know, people are selling their birthright for a lot less than a morsel of meat today. (laughs) You mean I can make time and a half if I just skip church tonight? Sign me up, buddy. Oh, you can hear a cotton ball drop. You mean, <laughs> you mean I, can, I can enjoy a little 
a little extra money? All I got to do is skip church this morning? Boss calls. You want some overtime? You can come on in. Well, I was getting ready to read the Bible, but uh, sure, I'll come in early. I can pick on yours if you want. You want to pick on mine? You can spend a little bit extra time in bed this morning. I can get a little extra sleep. I don't have to go into work for another hour. I'm just going to roll over. No sense getting up early and reading my Bible. No sense spending a little bit extra time in prayer today. I mean, <laughs> I need this extra 30 winks. And then when I get up, I need my coffee and my Fox News before I get started with the day. No sense reading the Bible yet. No sense spending time in prayer. I mean, if, I, if, I, if I do that, I'm not going to know what's going on in the world today. Esau was not concerned with the spiritual relationship. He was fine to sacrifice spiritual opportunities for temporal ones. And because of this, God refers to him as profane. Anytime we sacrifice the spiritual so we can enjoy the temporal, we are going the way of Esau. There's a great danger here in not pursuing Christ. I want you to notice look with me if you would at 2 Timothy. Someone may say, "Okay, preacher, you're 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 saying that we're supposed to focus on perfection. We're supposed to focus on this. We're supposed to focus on being more complete." Well, how how do we do that? I'm glad you asked. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. You ready for this? This is golden. Look at verse 16. All Scripture, all... Can we stop for a second? All Scripture. Peter refers to the writings of Paul as well as the other Scriptures. So yes, if it's in this book, it's Scripture. I don't care what your hang-up is. That's my stance. You got a different one? Praise the Lord. Good luck with that. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be what? Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You want to know how to be perfect, how to be complete? Get in this book. That's where you're going to find it. Now, you cannot Expect your spiritual condition to strengthen if you are not in heavy pursuit of holiness 
and peace. You can't. Well, how do I make peace with men? It's in this book. Well, how do I pursue holiness? It's in this book. You pursue it relentlessly. You pursue peace with God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall what? See God. Look back, look back with me. I'm in the wrong book there. Hebrews 12. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. You want to see God? A lot of people saying, oh, I just wish God would show himself to me. Pursue holiness and peace. You'll see God. You'll see him work marvelously in your life. When the opportunity arises to skip one thing over another, skip the thing that does not bring you closer to Christ. When an opportunity arises for you to miss out on one thing over another, miss out on the thing that does not make you more like Christ. Pursue peace with every fiber of your being. Pursue holiness. When God's Word shows you something that needs to change, change it. Pursuit. Last. What about you? What about you? Are you daily pursuing a closer walk with God? Are you? Listen, there's not a person in this room who has gotten it perfectly. Some people are trying harder than others. We've got to be honest about that. There's people in this room that are probably trying harder than I've ever tried. But are you pursuing him? Are you pursuing Christ? Are you pursuing holiness? Trying to have that closer walk with Christ. Trying to work closer, to work more at becoming more like him. Are you daily pursuing a closer walk with Jesus? And second... Maybe the opposite is true of you. Maybe you're not pursuing a closer walk with God. Maybe you're exercising your choices to enjoy this world at the expense of your pursuit of God. Is that more likely? If it is, don't be like Esau. Cry about not being as blessed as everybody else is. Well, how is it that he's able to have such a nice and, 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 and pleasant walk with the Lord? And why does he have things to praise the Lord about? And I don't ever see that kind of stuff in my life. Maybe it's because you're pursuing everything but him. I want you to understand something. Again, the question, do I have to attend church or read the Bible? Or you can put whatever you want in there that's good and godly in order to be a good Christian. Listen, I'm a Christian. And I'm pursuing being a good one.
Too many of people assuming that they're already good at it. The moment you feel you have become that good Christian that doesn't need to work on it anymore is the moment you have become Esau. So yeah, <laughs> listen. I need to be in this book every day, every opportunity I can. I need to be on my knees multiple times a day if I truly want the power of God in my life. It's time for me to turn the television off. It's time for me to turn down the radio. It's time for me to quit worrying about my email. It's, tired for me, it's time for me to quit checking my Facebook status and my Twitter account and make sure that I got my wall covered and my stories posted on Instagram. It's time for me to take a pause from that and get into Thus Saith the Lord. I wonder if people would pursue this with as much vim and vigor as they pursue their bank accounts or to find out who won the next American Idol. wonder what the world would see as a result of that. I think a lot of people are bitterly preventing God's enabling in their life. Every time they choose something else over Him. Father, I know, at least in my life, I need constant, constant reminders. Reminders of what I once was and what my life now should be. So, Father, I ask that you would work in the hearts of every one of us. I, I, I don't want to be the Christian that I was yesterday. I don't want to be as good of a person as I was last year. I want to be more like your son. And so, Father, the further we go in this walk, let it be so that the closer we get to you, the more vile we used to appear. Not just 10, 15 years ago, but compared to where we are in our walk with you today, let yesterday appear vile. Because we're ever pursuing this complete picture of being more like you. Help us in this pursuit to take it seriously, to take it joyfully. Not that we have to, but those of us who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God will truly see we have the privilege of representing God. Help us in this, Father, that we would pursue this holiness with everything we've got, every fiber of our being. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Andy Lake. Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, 
please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church, 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio, 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.